I'm Leah, founder CEO of Broadstairs Consulting, a problem-solving consultancy that offers crisis and governance advisory services to help leaders and organizations thrive and flourish. We believe crisis isn't an if, it's a when. And although we're unafraid of crisis, we've never known one to be resolved in a single day. However long the day or night that gave rise to the crisis in the first place, there's always something we can learn. That's the genesis of The Longest Day. Our guests have overcome a litany of crises. Many of our guests have worked with us in some capacity in the past. All of them have stories worth hearing. We trust them to make this worth your while. We hope it helps you trust us. Rob Beckley is an assistant commissioner with the Metropolitan Police based in the Home Office. He has been a police officer for over 35 years and has had a varied career in all ranks and most roles in policing. Most recently, he was in overall command of Operation Resolve, the criminal and disciplinary investigation into the events leading to the Hillsborough disaster. He has held national chief officer responsibilities for counter-terrorism, race and faith matters, and citizens in policing, voluntary engagement with policing. He joined the Met in 1986 and was a sergeant in Brixton, an inspector in Southwall, and worked in Scotland Yard before transferring out of London to become a superintendent in Thames Valley. He was a chief officer in Hertfordshire and Avon and Somerset Police Forces before being seconded to set up the College of Policing in 2013. He has a degree in law from Durham University and before joining the police, worked for four years in education and development in Africa. Well, Rob, we are delighted that you could join us today on The Longest Day and we look forward to hearing about the challenges that you have encountered. Um, So welcome. Thank you. Be delighted to be here. That's very kind. Um, I wonder if you might describe your longest day. Uh, Well, perhaps the crisis that landed on my toes at one of the most tricky periods of my career was when I'd literally just been appointed an assistant chief constable. So at a strategic rank, but the person is not just about strategy, it's about dealing with the big operations. And within a week of taking on that role, I was one lunchtime, somebody came running into my office and saying, said, uh, uh, that there's been uh, a train crash and immediately you're plunged into dealing with a very significant incident uh, on the hoof. And it was the Potter's Bar train crash, um, a crash where seven people sadly died, uh, many more injured um, at Potter's Bar railway station. But of course, you know, you, you, you're sitting there in the office and at first you're, you're being told it looks like there's been a car crash under a bridge and you don't have any clarity of the situation and you're immediately going in as a new assistant chief constable with a team to deal with a, a, a crisis that uh, was totally unexpected and out the blue. Was there a blueprint for the response that was expected from you at that time? Yes, uh, th- there are there are some standard approaches that you are taught. Um, and some of these approaches are taught because of something I'm investigating now is my current job, which is Hillsborough and the Hillsborough disaster. But, but there is a standard approach to taking command of a crisis. And, and, and it's very much around, first of all, understanding what you've got as quickly as possible, getting the best understanding, but then defining really what are you trying to achieve in your response to that disaster or that that 
that crisis. Um, you know, there, there's, in a, in a way, policing, even at the lowest level on the street, dealing with, say, a car crash, is dealing with a crisis. It's dealing with somebody's immediate uh, circumstance that they'd rather not be in and they need somebody in authority to come and sort it out. And, uh, and it doesn't really matter how small or how big it is, you've got to be very clear on what you're trying to do. Um, what are your objectives? Quite often, your initial objectives are about saving life. It's about trying to step in and uh, ensure, first of all, that any lives are saved, but also that nobody else is harmed because of it. But then there's also other objectives such as putting order into a disrupted society or place or there's there's ensuring that that uh, there's no other consequential harm in the community um, and and one of the one of the important things in training police officers and others for dealing with a crisis is understanding what you're trying to achieve and prioritizing what you're doing so if it comes you know if, if it comes to sort of preventing an obstruction or saving a life, you're going to save the life first. Um, and, and it's understanding that that's your first priority. Then you worry about the obstructions. Then you might worry about the investigation and the witnesses and the other things you need to do. So it's, it's having clarity about what you're trying to achieve under the circumstances. And obviously, in a in a crisis like the Potter's Bar rail crash, which was um, very heavily covered by the media, um, you're not acting as a sole agent. So what did you learn about the team around you in that event? That's a great question. Um, because, of course, as the commander, as they say, the gold commander for something as substantial as, say, a train crash, or, or later on, I was the gold commander for the Bunsfield uh, oil depot explosion. Um, you, you are the coordinator. In fact, it, quite often, you do not control the other services who are all called, but you are the coordinator. And so what you need to do is really understand everybody's capabilities as part of the team. You know, what they, what they do, what they can do, um, and and then and, and what their official roles are, and sometimes their unofficial roles, and your job, again, meeting the priorities that I mentioned earlier is trying to then mesh those people together focused on dealing with the harm and the crisis that you're managing. Um, and again, you know, you made a good point earlier about what prepares you for that. that that's where your training and preparation before you reach the crisis in understanding what your team, what your partners, capabilities and capacity is, is really critical. Knowing, really knowing them and, and, and often not just knowing on paper what they do, but knowing them as people um, is, is so important. I, I, in some respects, that was one of my challenges in Potter's Bar was and I didn't know all the partners. I didn't. I was new to the place. Um, the council leaders, the fire chief, the ambulance um, uh, uh, coordinators, and things. I did not know them, um, but we did get to know each other very quickly <laughs> and very well. Um, and, and so, in some respects, you know, you, you, while the relationships are really critical, um, the preparation beforehand in just understanding your statutory and and roles and your your um capacity and capabilities is quite important as well so. how did you get through that crisis 
to a large extent, it's um, you, you know, there's 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 the people around you and the importance of trusting people to get on with things. You you you've got you have to be able to delegate, and again, another skill that you need to learn and work through as you before you ever reach a sort of senior coordinating role. And in some respects, policing. Um, gives you plenty of experience up to that point to take charge of situations um, and use any team around you as well as possible. Um, so it, it's it's trusting and working with the team around you. There has to also be quite a high degree of resilience because certainly initially you could be there as I was, 14, 15, 16 hours. Uh, and the uh, one other important thing, you're both trained to do, but you need to make sure you do, is ensure that there's um, people who come in and step in behind you and give you your time off, um, give you space to think about what you're dealing with. Uh, so it's it's a lot about using your team and using those around you intelligently and also uh, looking after yourself and others in the context of dealing with that crisis. You mentioned the importance of delegation and also the need for resilience. What would you say to someone who was dropped into that hot frying pan in a similar way to you, um, who perhaps hadn't had an opportunity as a leader to develop those skills? What advice would you give them? I think perhaps the most important thing is to, in any crisis is to find a way to give yourself a bit of space just time to think about it because uh, with a bit of time you can then almost like work through what the problem is what what how do you approach this what's what are the elements you're dealing with um so i would i think my main bit of advice would be you know, uh, um, find an opportunity to go to the loo and and dig out those handbooks that you you might have been given on previous training sessions and and just pause and have a think about it um, because in the crisis of the moment everyone's looking to you um, and sometimes you won't know all the answers um, and you won't know who to turn to necessarily but just thinking about it you can say to yourself who do I need to call upon how do I approach this what are the best people and the best ways to do this that's that's brilliant advice what do you think in your career prepared you to be able to take up the mantle in this measured um informed um wise way (laughs) well I, 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 it didn't always feel measured and informed or even wise, actually, in, in, in the, at the moment. You, of course, there's enormous anxiety, actually. Um, I got a lot of positive feedback afterwards, you know, from people who, you know, my, my new senior boss um, had was up in Liverpool at the time of the crash. So, in effect, I had to take it and had to own the whole thing on my own. Um, but when he came down, he he provided me good feedback um he'd he'd heard what people had said had done and it was very positive but but and and to a certain extent that was um year some years of experience um because of course i had by then been a police officer 15 odd years um i had done a lot of 
operational work as chief superintendent, superintendent, and at other ranks. So it all it all prepares you, as does the training, as does the courses you get sent on. Um, uh, uh, and and so I think it's an accumulation over time. Um, so and but it's also ultimately keeping quite simple concepts in your mind. The ones we've been discussing, things like what are your objectives, who have you got, what are their capabilities, how do we work together really effectively to jointly deal with this problem? Where are the win wins for all the different organisations? Because actually, you know, others have slightly conflicting priorities they've got different things to do how do you mesh it all together and and so it, you know it it is the training but it's also your interpersonal skills just how empathic are you around what you're trying to manage do you understand the people and where they their anxieties not only yours and things so so i think i think there's a lot of that preparation comes through a professional life not necessarily all in the same organization you know um, policing, I think many of those skills are found in many other professions. Um, you know, one of the fascinations for me was, um, in a way, policing does deal regularly with crisis, so it's quite well equipped to it. Uh, after the banking crisis in 2008, 2009, um, I did a review with a, a colleague of mine from the London Business School as to how banks responded to crisis. And those ones that weathered the storm well took on many of the principles that policing has taught and learnt. But many of those that didn't hadn't learnt those principles, hadn't, hadn't trained in a way to manage a crisis, um, hadn't prepared themselves, hadn't put themselves in the frame of mind to do it. And, and that's, you know, that is the only way you can manage through, is almost to have... A, a, uh, have tested your thinking and prepared the ground in advance. We'll be right back after this advert from our sponsor. This episode of The Longest Day is sponsored by Grosvenor Search, a specialist NED recruiter in the asset management space. Board diversity shouldn't be reducible to tokenism. Rather, efforts to diversify boards must be focused on ensuring that the top 5% of talent are identified and, once recruited, empowered to strengthen existing boards. Grosvenor Search offers a targeted approach to ensure that your board receives the most impressive diverse talent. For more information, email info at grosvenorsearch.com. Let's get back to today's guest. I think it's fair to say that you are well-seasoned when it comes to crises. What would you say the personal cost is of engaging with such difficult circumstances? I, my current job investigating, um, have been investigating the Hillsborough disaster and the circumstances leading up to it, I think is a really good example of a, a cost that has run for decades. Um, the cost both to those who were let down um, during the crisis, but a cost to those who were party to the crisis, whether it was the football club, the police officers involved, um, uh, or the engineers who, who, who designed this, should, should have had a better design of the stadium, or, or, or the Football Association and all the others involved. Um, many of them have now lived with that 
for decades. Um, and for many, it's been, it's blighted their lives. So there is a significant, if, 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 and again, if you go back to the hub of Hillsborough, a lot of that was around the preparation, the expected professional oversight of um, both the ground, the club, and the policing of the event um, that should have been so much better. There was a complacency had drifted into that environment. And because um, it failed and a disaster happened, um, there are many people, not you know, primarily, of course, the families and, and those who were at the match, um, but many of those involved um, all around it who, who have lived with it for many, many years, and it's caused them immense harm. So, uh, so the failures of really preparing, thinking about what you've got, thinking about the what-ifs and how, what could go wrong, even if that might very, very rarely happen, um, are really significant. It's, it's incumbent upon all professionals who have a responsibility for running things or managing complex organisations to really think hard about what might go wrong and what their role will be if that happens. Um, so, you know, in answer to your question, it can be massive under certain circumstances. What have you learned about yourself in the process of undertaking these investigations and inquiries? When, as you do these investigations, you quite often sit there and think, what might I have done under the circumstances? Um, you know, and I, and I think... It behoves us all when we hear about disasters or crises, long-running crises, is to ask ourselves, um, what would, what, what might we have done, and how might we have prevented a similar thing ever happening to us? Um, because you know, that self-reflection is really, really important. You know, have I got the capabilities? Have I got the skills? If that happened to me, now clearly we're not asking, you know members of the public off the street to go and run football matches. But, but we all, you know, there's many of us will sit there and pontificate about how we think it could have been done, things could have been done better. I think we, we all, when we do that, we ought to do it in a more mature way and just sit there and ask ourselves quite hard about what, you know, what personal skills are required, what professional skills are required. And if I was presented with a similar set of circumstances, what might I do? So I've done that a lot around... Hillsborough um, and of course to a certain extent that there's two templates you have to judge Hillsborough and events that have taken place in the past firstly is what were the expected standards of the day then um, uh, but but secondly what what professionally you know almost like yeah accepting there are standards but what what was professionally um the way the norms and the ways things were done, the cultures and things, uh, but against all those norms, I think that, you know there were massive deficiencies at Hillsborough that uh, were, were identifiable at the time and were identified at the time. You mentioned the importance of considering um, when you're looking back at things that have happened in the past, uh, the framework in which those were able to arise. Um, how do you ensure that lessons are learned that apply to current and future circumstances? 
Well, Hillsborough's an interesting one because um, immediately afterwards there was a lot of review of both command of football matches and command of big events. So now anybody running a football match, you can be pretty sure, has had many years of development just for football matches. Um, you, you, you've also got um, a lot more uh, focus on the response to disaster since Hillsborough, and, and that's all developed. But... But even the most recent investigations that we've picked up since um, Theresa May reopened um, Hillsborough back in uh, 2012 and the inquest came to its conclusion in 2016, um, even since then, we've constantly asked our questions uh, questions about, about could it still happen? What would we need to do to prevent it? And, and I think... There's still quite a lot that, you know, the sort of things um, we've peeled away has been the post-event looking after victims and and those affected, um, which I think there's still more to be done. Um, You know, the Manchester Arena bombing highlighted quite a lot of issues around response and that. Uh, uh, And so while there was a lot of learning at the time, there's still more learning out of it, not least of all, a bit of this, what this discussion is about, how prepared are individual commanders, myself or others, in managing a significant crisis? Can you make decisions on the hoof? Are you prepared to? And making good decisions on the hoof is actually all about preparation. Even though you might not have anticipated the crisis, it's having done enough thinking about crisis to be able to respond effectively. Um, so, uh, so there's still more learning, and and in a way, the learning is for every individual who has a command responsibility or, or an organisational responsibility to ask themselves, "Do I know what I will do if I face a really significant crisis?" That's hugely helpful. We are team preparation. We're also team growth. But we think that uh, crises are hungry work. So we would be really interested to know, if you had to live your longest day again, what food would you choose to fuel it? One one thing about policing is that they're quite good for recognising that, to use that cliche, an army marches on its stomach. Um, when When things happen... Um, lots of wheels go in in the background. So Potter's Bar, by the time we, it happened um, at about one o'clock, um, uh, it was about soon after midday, and by about seven, eight o'clock, we were being provided with meals uh, because the ops department just do that. They, Whenever there's a lot of people there gathered to deal with a problem, there's a little bit of that department that worries about the food and the drink and, and making your sustained. So in some respects, I can't genuinely can't remember what I had, but it wasn't bad and it kept me going. Um, so, but it is an interesting one because actually it is about how is it is your organisation or your the place the area the area of your business geared up to to think about the welfare considerations as well as the as well as just dealing with that crisis are they and and because policing deals with a lot of this sort of big stuff enough times to know that you've got to get all your 
your those those sanitary elements sorted. Uh, but of course, lots of other organisations they're not doing it as often, and they don't think about it. So I, I, it, it's always worth geeing up people in the background who just know that if the wheel comes off. They've got roles that sound very mundane but are really critical. I think that approach to people first and caring for your team's needs um, is wonderfully encouraging and I think it's a great model Mm. for many other organisations that don't necessarily have that infrastructure. Rob, we've absolutely loved hearing your insights and dipping into your career and thank you so much for joining us on The Longest Day. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Leah. You've been listening to a Broadstairs Consulting Limited podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Tune in soon to hear the next instalment of The Longest Day. Copyright 2023. Production copyright. Broadstairs Consulting Limited. All rights reserved.